Welcome back to the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience Podcast. And let me just lead off by saying thanks for your patience in my (laughs) unplanned absence. I obviously have been busy. Nothing's wrong. Um, I just honestly, I think I needed a break and I owed it to you guys to tell you that I needed a break, but I didn't. And if I'm being totally honest, um, I'm just going to do the best I can with this podcast moving here on out. And um, I show up how I can show up when I can show up. And that's the beauty of volunteering. (laughs) But um, anyways, that's kind of on topic, but I just, I can't not address the fact that there hasn't been an episode in like a month, but here we are. So I'm back today. I'm, I'm here recording with Jamil and um, I'm really excited about today's episode. I think you are going to love it because not only is this, it's not an interview, but not only is this two of us chatting, but it's also about research. My favorite thing. If you're new around here, I love digging into the research about Girl Scouts and why we do what we do and why it matters and why it's structured the way it is and the impact that it has. I think that digging into the research keeps us centered in what we do and why we're doing it. And that is so important when we feel unmotivated, like how I felt disconnected with this podcast. Actually, I think this is a great episode to dig back in on because it's a reminder about why this is important and why it matters. And um, so I'm a geek for the Girl Scout research. You may not have even known that there was Girl Scout research if you're new around here, but I encourage you to go back and listen to the other research-oriented episodes if you like this one. But today is going to be a little bit different because Jamil is going to take the reins on this. She has been digging into this study a little bit, and we're going to like just talk through the research together that she has been digging into. So without further ado, go ahead and tell us, tell us about our topic today. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sarah. So today we are talking about the benefits of being a volunteer and we are going to start off talking about, you know, we're here for the girls and it's typically the time of year you may have noticed in your councils that, you know, people are out, you know, trying to recruit girls for the early bird program, but we can't recruit girls without having great volunteers. So we're going to talk about adult recruitment and why it's critical to the Girl Scout mission and how you can sort of approach it from a different lens. And Sarah mentioned the Girl Scout Research Institute. Um, The Girl Scout Research Institute is a institute that delivers data-driven insights across the Girl Scout movement and beyond. So what they do is they measure the impact of Girl Scouting and they conduct an original research on girls' leadership, healthy development, and well-being. And what's super cool about the GSRI is that these reports are used to inform programming, public policy and advocacy for Girl Scouting. I think it's really cool to see how the Girl Scout organization has this whole research arm that not only influences the organization itself, but it's also trying to impact the world. It's really looking at what are girls' experiences like and what are their needs. And some of the uh, research studies that we've dug into in the past, every couple of years, they do this study that I love that is called the state of girls. And it's really digging into what, what do girl populations look like? What are their experiences? Like, what are they up against? What are they saying that they need? What do they, you know, what, what has an impact and, and what are their biggest obstacles? And 
being able to see how those needs change over time is also really interesting. So anyway, um, the fact that Girl Scouts has an entire department that is devoted specifically to doing the research that matters. I just think if you need any more evidence that Girl Scouts is invested in the well-being of girls, that is truly at the heart of the mission. I think sometimes we can get into this mindset of like, Girl Scouts is totally disconnected from girls and they don't even know anything about anything. And they're just these like executives in a high office in New York City. And that is not uh, that that's at least not 100 percent accurate. I can't say that there's no accuracy to that, but there's you, it's not accurate. They have an entire part of the organization is specifically devoted to researching girls and the program and how it works. So anyways. That's all I wanted to add about that. <laughs> no, I love that. I think it's it's totally true. It, you know, people are moved by research and, you know, they're convinced with stats and statistics. So I think it's awesome. So we are going to explore what the research says about being a Girl Scout volunteer. And I think this is all very interesting. And you'll sort of hear my take on it and Sarah's take on it. Because these are, you know, if you're talking to someone and you're trying to convince them to be a Girl Scout volunteer, these are some great talking points that you can leave with. So according to the Girl Scout Research Institute, 90% of troop leaders who volunteer with Girl Scouts feel that they make a difference in the lives of girls, 90%. Yeah, I feel that. So for me, I think... um... I guess an example of a time that this really felt true to me, that this really rings true to me. I remember there's this specific girl and I'll kind of share a little bit about her arc in general. She came from a different troop. She was having a rough time. Her old school, she had just switched schools as well. Her old school, um, she was being terribly bullied, like terribly bullied. It was a really, really bad situation. And so she had switched schools She wanted a fresh start completely. So she transferred into our troop and this girl, we all know them. They love to be unapologetically themselves and girls from a very young age have trouble with other girls who are unapologetically themselves. And, and it, it hurt our hearts as adults because nobody wants to dampen this girl's spirit of like, you should be confident in who you are. I don't want to tell you that you should talk less or that you should be less you, but also I'm watching you make your social life so much harder on itself. Like, yeah. you, like you are, you are making this so much harder than it needs to be. And wouldn't it be easier if you just fit in? Right. And this is the age old problem that all of us have as adults and parents with our kids is like, we want them so badly to fit in, but we also so badly want them to be true to who they are. And that is a weird balance when yeah. who you are doesn't fit. Right. Yeah. Which is all of us. We all feel like we don't fit. So, um, so it was very, very, very hard. And bless the precious girls in my troop who would say to us privately, you know, as uh, to the adults, they're so sweet. They're so nice. They're like, I really try to like everybody, but I just really have trouble with her. Like, she's just really hard to like, but I really want to like everyone. Like I try so hard to be nice but she really annoys me. Right. And so we're like trying to to coach these girls through like what's happening. And then this amazing thing happened by creating this safe space for her to be her and encouraging everybody to get to know each other in small groups and partners and, and partnering up with different people and whatever, and trying to pair up people who don't have consistent best friends in the troop and all of this, they can get to know each other. And this amazing thing happened over time where 
she fit in but then i mean she was definitely she was the thumb like well we'll go ahead and say it she was the thumb of the group but the thumb is critical right and then we go on this camping trip and it was like a switch flipped she was the cool girl everyone wanted to see what she had packed because of course she brought everything under the sun at night when we were in having like chat time in the bunks before we went to bed the girls were all sitting in her bunk and they were telling her their secrets and whispering in her ear and telling her who they had crushes on and all this all of these girls all of a sudden looked up to her and she was when my troop just just broke up (laughs) she was the first one actually to um to let me know that she wasn't continuing a little bit before the others like when we were still doing virtual meetings and she sent me a letter about how my troop saved her life, how she had had such a hard childhood and things had been so tough and she was so bullied and that she truly believes she wouldn't be alive today if she hadn't found our troop. Um, I think about that and I think for the that girl's entire life, that's what my troop meant to her. And I did that. I created that space for her, yeah. you know? So that's mine. Okay, follow that, Jamil. <laughs> I know. I, I have nothing to follow that. I think that's amazing. You know, I like to think that, you know, some of my girls' leadership skills, you know, have come out of the Girl Scout program and, um, you know, they have, they're surrounded by people who care about them and, you know, great communities. And I've seen on multiple occasions where there was this one specific occasion where I saw my Girl Scout, she was a freshman enter I was volunteering at her school and I saw her enter a room full of strangers you know if you were from the outside looking in it looked like the most sort of hodgepodge group of students Um, and they were having a meeting and she was the youngest one there and just seeing her welcome and she was her first time in the meeting just like it was everyone else's and to see her standing there welcoming everyone as if she was already the leader and just stepping up and making people feel comfortable. I was just so impressed. Like, oh my gosh, I never would have had, I don't know that I could do this as an adult, you know, show up somewhere brand new in a new space as the youngest one and welcome everyone as they come in. And I was just so impressed with it. And, you know, I can't say that that's all Girl Scouts, but I I like to think that she's been in Girl Scouts since she was, you know, in kindergarten and that's had something to do with her, her leadership skills and her comfort level um, and her confidence. Um, But I really love your example, Sarah. And I, I feel like that that story is a story of a lot of our girls, you know, Girl Scouts really do provide a safe space for them. And it's great that leaders can help be a part of that journey. That's awesome. So getting back to the research, the research also says that 83% of Girl Scout troop leaders say that they gain a sense of purpose volunteering with Girl Scouts. And I will go ahead and say that I can attest to this 100%. When I first moved here, you know, I was in a new city, new place in my adult life, and I had no friends. And really, for those first couple of years, my only friends were my coworkers. You know, where do you go when you're fresh out of college to make friends? And then I have my daughter, like, where, like what do you do? You know, there's nowhere to go. And then I moved back home, kind of I moved um, to the city with my sister and lived there for about 15 months before I decided to come back down to Florida. And um, Mia was turning five. And my sister was devastated that I was leaving her. And she said, if you're going to take my niece from, from me, 
um, you have to promise to start a Girl Scout troop. So I started her Girl Scout troop. And it was really soon after I started the troop that I realized that was just as much for Mia as it was for me. <laughs> I, I had way more time to do the things that I wanted to do. I was excited to do things. You know, it wasn't just my life and, you know, my life with my two kids at that time. It just gave me so much purpose. Uh, I felt like I was finally connecting back into the community. And when I was in college, I used to do things all the time, volunteer all the time. But I didn't know as an adult, like, what to do. How do you find experiences like that? So Girl Scouts got me connected. I was not only serving the girls, I would make other friends in the community and other partnerships and other volunteer opportunities. So I really feel like I was able to get a purpose in volunteering with Girl Scouts. I love that. I, I love when you said it was just as much for her as it was for you that you get this <laughs> much out of it. That's like my main motivation behind this podcast, right? Yeah. So for me, same, but different, um, interesting perspective because I am a step parent, but I don't have a girl, girl scout age. So I don't, um, I, I was a non-parent volunteer, right. Totally different demographic. And for me, I started my troop when I was working a job. I hated, I was going through a breakup. I was living alone for the first time in my adult life, like no roommates, just by myself. And I mean, I loved myself. I've always been like a pretty grounded person, but I really hated like a lot about my life. I really, I every day feeling like, what am I doing? I'm waking up Mm -hmm. to go to a job. I hate, I come home alone and I'm healing a broken heart and I do my chores and I go to bed and then I do it all over again the next day. What is this life? Like there has to be more, you know? Mm -hmm. So starting the troop with the girl scouts gave me a piece of my life that felt like it was me. It was mine. It was my choice and it was my choices and it was my leadership. And I had not to say control over it. Cause well, I mean, believe me, those girls do what they want, but like, <laughs> um, they, they dictate how things go. Right. But I, I had this outlet where I could be creatively myself and I could feel happy and I could feel loved and I could feel safe in a world that was very unsafe for me mm-hmm. at that time. And yeah, it was like in a time where I didn't have purpose in my life because I thought I'm not going to do this job forever. Hopefully I'm not even going to do it for much longer. Right. Like I just want it out. And I would even go so far as to say the confidence and the skill building and the self-assuredness and the risk taking and all of that, that happens in Girl Scouts probably encouraged me to actually take action to leave that job ultimately. And so I feel like it gave me a sense of purpose at a time in my life where I really felt purposeless since then I've had, you know, I've had this whole life since we, I initially started that troop and I, um, but through it all, this was like an anchor to remembering who I am and who I want to be. And so I would feel like for me, that's gaining a sense of purpose that it was missing. I love that. All right. What's next? Um, All right. So it says 76% of troop leaders say that they make friends through their service as a troop leader. And I totally, you know, I just attested to this one time, my daughter, you know, one summer you're on vacation and she got into this horrible accident and we ended up being in the hospital for a week and she just needed all this extra medical attention. And, um, the fall came and she was supposed to be sort of over it, but she was sort of had some lingering issues. And I remember she called me one day at work and this is back when I was still teaching. So when you're a teacher, it's really hard to leave in the middle of the day, you know, who's going to cover your class. I mean, there's just so many. And essentially 
you know, she was, I think, you know, what ended up happening, she was having a panic attack, but part of that manifestation was she wanted a heating pad. She just needed a heating pad, like right then and there. So she called me from school, from the nurse's office. She was really upset. And all I could think of, like, how can I get her a heating pad super fast? So I called one of my Girl Scout moms. Within 10 minutes, my daughter had a heating pad at school. And um, to me, that was very sort of different. I grew up with a lot of family around me. So I was used to, you know, I'm accustomed to leaning on family. But to now realize that I had this network of women, um, whether they were, you know, troop moms, other Girl Scout um, women that I volunteer with, um, that I could lean on when I really needed them was super special and, you know, meant a lot to me and to our family. And so now it's interesting because, you know, I don't always get to go home to Ohio to spend holidays with my family there, but I do have this network of really close, I call them family here and I owe that to Girl Scouts. So I'm super, super, super grateful for that. I love that. That is, I, those are the stories that I hear again and again in interviews with volunteers all across the country on this podcast is about the way that other adults in the Girl Scout community stepped up to support them and their family in hard times and being part of like a community in that way. And I have seen that in the service unit that I was a part of, we always would know or we tried to know, I guess can't say we always knew, but when somebody was having surgery or somebody was having something big that was going on, um, we would always do a meal train. It was just a, a quick and easy way that we could all show support and make that person feel connected to that community, even in, in like a hard time yep. or if there was a loss or something. Most of the friendships though, in my experience as a volunteer came from, um, either deepening or reestablishing connections with old friends who got involved with my troops. So I was constantly recruiting um, other non-parent volunteers to support my troop. And actually, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know, in the history of my entire troop, we never had a parent volunteer as a troop leader. I was always going to people who I had been really close to in the past or former coworkers or current coworkers who I really yeah. liked and wanted to spend more time with. And I got to know them under such deeper circumstances. Okay. And some of them were people, one, one was a sorority sister who I had known in college, but we weren't like close, but we liked each other. It was always yeah. a, a, a positive thing. And it led to us having all these experiences together through Girl Scouts years later, you know, a, a decade later to really reconnect and, and share that. And so did I meet her? Did I make her friendship during, right. during my service as a troop leader? No. However, I think it rekindled it and it deepened it in a completely different way. And it gave us yeah. a reason to see each other. That was also true with people who I was maybe like working with at the time that they started with my troop, but then we ended up not working together anymore right. and it kept us connected to each other. Yeah. So that's another example. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of that, research says 74% of troop leaders become more involved in their communities. You know, I wasn't at all really connected to my community when I joined Girl Scouts. Even when I think about back when um, I was in Pittsburgh, I volunteered a little bit with my sister's troop. I mean, my life was work and home, work and home, work and home. So connecting with her troop was another way for me to get involved in the local community. Um, you know, my girls, a couple years ago, um, we had 
did a partnership with a local ice cream shop for Girl Scout cookies. And we had sold them some cookies and they let my girls take pictures for their social media to sell the ice cream. And I remember we did like a social there, just like a meetup. And we noticed that they were doing a toy drive for local children. And the girls just noticed how empty the bin was. And so they just took it upon themselves and we rallied with the other cadets in the area. And we went back almost a week and a half later and literally the bin was overflowing. The girls had just filled it with, with toys. And, you know, I don't know if they would have went there individually, if they would have, you know, noticed that if we have never, you know, made that connection or had that partnership, if we would have just sort of took that on right there in the moment. But um, it's been really cool just seeing sort of the ways they plug in and how they get me to plug in. So I, I totally agree with that statistic too. I would be part of that 74%. I love that. And I love them. What special hearts they have of oh, wanting yeah. to fill the bin. That's oh, so yeah. great. That has to feel really good. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely think this is true. It's interesting because I'd love to say this sparked like more volunteerism in me. I don't mm -hmm. think that, I think that already lived there. So I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily think, but I can definitely say I got more involved in my community because I knew what was going on in my community yep. because I was constantly looking at places to take the girls, places yeah. they might want to go and explore, especially places they might not have been before. Yep. Um, because you know there's like the science center and the zoo families go there like everybody kind of yeah. knows that's there but what what do we have that people don't know is yeah. here and what's kind of off the beaten path and participating in all these things that are maybe almost even touristy that I would never have done as somebody who lives here because right. I didn't even think of it and not to say yeah. that I didn't want to I just would have had no reason and it like gave yeah. me a reason to be actively in my community all the time same with events like looking at event calendars and fairs and carnivals and festivals and there's a million I mean I live in a big city so that's part of it too for those of you who live in a really rural area you may not have as much um like event stuff but but maybe some small some small towns have very active event calendars actually so you never know but like uh, in a big city like this, you would never know that a festival is happening unless they happen to catch you in a social media ad or you drive by it and see it. I mean, there, there's just so much going on all the time. And so being involved with Girl Scouts had me always looking at event calendars and kind of seeing what was going on. And yeah, I, I can definitely say and the pandemic has definitely influenced that too. But since not being and not having an active troop right now, I have no idea what's going on now. I have no idea. Like we just stay in our house and we get curbside groceries and right. sometimes we go out to like see friends, but, um, it, we've been keeping that really limited. So yeah, I mean, unfortunately uh, the pandemic has really affected my lifestyle as well, but not having girl scouts to keep me involved in the community. Definitely. Um, I can see the difference. Yeah. The next piece of information we get from this study says that 62% of Girl Scout volunteers feel energized all or most of the time they volunteer as a troop leader. Now, this one I think is interesting. It's a little lower than some of the others, 62%. And I will admit that, you know, there are, you know, I always say like the night before camps, encampments, like I'm the most exhausted because I've waited to the last minute to do something. I'm trying to put something together. I'm like, why did I make this so complex? Um, or there's times as a service unit leader that you know I'm working on something and it can get to be too tedious or too exhausting. Um, but I will say that 
the entire time. And I think this is my 10th year as a Girl Scout troop leader, that it is like the one thing that has consistently brought me joy. Um, a couple years ago, when I was still teaching, things were just getting crazy and just so political and exhausting. And I was just miserable. And I could not wait to leave my job to go to anything Girl Scouts. It didn't matter if I was meeting with my girls, with another group of girls, with Girl Scout volunteers. That was the one thing that kept me happy and kept, kept me grounded. So I love that it it gave you joy at times that that were tough because I, as I said earlier, I can totally relate to that. I don't know if I can say all the time that I have felt energized in my role as a volunteer. I think that, um, there's definitely times that are stressful. There's definitely drama that usually with adults, that's the exhausting thing for me. Girl drama doesn't exhaust me. I like, feel like it gives me purpose. I want to help them, but adult drama drains me. And so, um, there's definitely been times that stuff like that has happened for sure. Um, and I've shared stories on here in the past about feeling like when girls were not as productive and they weren't getting through, you know, they're laughing and giggling and cartwheeling and they're out of control yeah. and they won't pay attention. I can't say in those moments that I felt energized. Definitely most of the time though, it gives me energy. Um, and I would say that, um, the drive also impacted me because I moved further away from my service unit. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. um, not just having to drive up for troop meetings, that was okay. But then also having to drive up once a month for service unit meetings, that definitely, I would not feel energized about that. And I enjoyed it when I was there, but I can definitely think of times. And I just want to call that out because to your point about this is a little bit lower than the others, depending on when you ask people, do you feel right. energized all or most of the time that you volunteer or how often it's probably the question was probably asked, how often do you feel energized when you volunteer from by volunteering as a troop leader? And then the, the, the answers were all most some never or something. Um, right. And so 62 people. 62% of people, not 62 people, 62% of people probably selected all or most, which is still more than half. Um, and, but I think depending on when you ask people, like if you ask people in cookie season or just coming off a rough cookie season, if you ask people in the midst of drama with a co-leader or witnessing drama, because that was usually it for me. I didn't, I wasn't part of the drama. I was a witness to the drama. I was somebody that heard both sides of a story from other adults, usually in other troops, neutral third party. <laughs> um, right. but anyway, so, um, depending on when you're asked, I could definitely see ranking this lower. I think that, uh, there is definitely this this like avatar of the stressed out, exhausted troop leader that if you hang out in certain Facebook groups, you might feel like is the only way being a troop leader is. And I will just say when you spend time in those spaces with people who are like in the midst of that energy, it's you're more likely to feel that energy. And when you spend time with people who are energized and positive, you're more likely to feel positive. And that's why right. another thing that I think is so important about a podcast like this is that hopefully even in the times that you're having like a really rough cookie season or whatever, 
you're not feeling supported by council or you're not feeling supported by GSUSA or your girls are right. complaining or whatever goes wrong. The parents aren't responsive or whatever. Um, right. Hopefully in those tough moments, you turn on this podcast and you hear inspiring stories about saving girls' lives and um, girls seeing an empty toy donation bin and wanting to fill it and using Girl Scouts as a, an opportunity to make that happen, to make a difference in their community. And you feel like, oh yeah, that's why I do this. I feel energized to keep going. So, right. um, so I'll just say like, when you hang out in spaces that drain your energy, you're more likely to feel drained. And when you hang out in spaces that breathe life into you and breathe energy into you, then that's the kind of stuff you're more likely to focus on. Absolutely. Um, and then the last statistic I think is quite interesting. It says 20% of Girl Scout troop leaders gain career or job opportunities through their Girl Scout volunteering. So I, I'll admit that, you know, I don't obviously work for Girl Scouts um, and I didn't get any job by knowing someone through Girl Scouts or them introducing me to someone. But what I did find really interesting when I decided to leave teaching was that, A, I found that I was being called to the nonprofit space. So I was super excited about um, doing things Girl Scout-like, serving uh, my community, doing something in the social um, sector, you know, giving back to the public. I felt like I wanted to do that all the time. And if I'm going to be at a job for eight hours a day, I'd rather be, you know, in that space. And I think Girl Scouts was a huge part of that because I saw that, you know, I, if this were my job, oh my gosh, this would be so much fun. But what I do find interesting, you know, even though, you know, no one sort of hooked me up with a job or I pursued a job with my local council, is that when I was putting together my resume, I did include my Girl Scout volunteer experience because I had a lot of really relevant skills. Um, so, for example, as a troop leader, you know, I do event planning. I put that on my resume. Organizational planning, recruiting, um, our service unit. Um, I'm also a service unit manager. Our service unit for the last three or four years we've met or exceeded our recruitment goals um, as well as our fundraising goals. So I could put that on my, my resume. Um, you know, we do strategic planning at the service unit level. So what I think is really cool about Girl Scouts is that, A, you know, if you have a skill that you're looking to test or to try, especially if it's in the nonprofit sector, you know, this is a safe space to sort of exercise and develop that skill. And for me, I feel as if my, you know, my experience with Girl Scouts sort of helped me shift my, my career. I love that. Yeah. I, um, I find this a really interesting statistic. I think for me personally, so I'm running my own business now. I do feel there's a lot of skills that overlap of running a business and running a troop. It's like, or I would even say like a service unit. Also mm -hmm. my business is helping people with their podcasts, which sounds kind of crazy because this podcast does pretty well. It's actually a top 5% global podcast, which is amazing. This helped me kind of explore and figure out how do you even like do a podcast? How do you get it online? How do you record interviews? What makes a good interview? Um, how do you track your reviews? How do you track your statistics? How do you read your statistics and all of those things? Anyway, so this podcast has brought me a lot of opportunities and it led to starting an entire business about podcasting, which is kind of nuts. Ultimately, being a Girl Scout volunteer led to starting a business eventually. Uh, 
That's so cool. Okay. So miss, miss, we've always had, uh, we've the past several years, we've been like nailing our recruitment efforts. Can you tell us where do we find volunteers? (laughs) So I love this topic. Um, and I'm super excited to talk about this. Um, so there's tons of places you can find volunteers, right? So you think about, um, youth education leaders, you think about teachers, daycare workers, um, religious youth leaders, um, these people, they tend to have background in youth, and so they can provide great understandings of child development, so that's really cool. Obviously, there are parents, guardians, grandparents, aunts, uncles. Um, a lot of adults are looking for opportunities to spend time with their girls, their nieces, their daughters, their granddaughters, um, maybe their best friend's kids. I had a troop leader who, she was the troop leader of her to goddaughter's truth. Um, so you have people looking to, you know, to find, you know, some time to spend and they want to do something with, you know, some purpose and some structure and Girl Scouts is great for that. Um, you really can find volunteers any and everywhere. And the reason that is, is because sort of everyone, most people I would say have the potential to be a great volunteer. Um, and so I just want to talk a little bit about Um, some common myths we hear when we're talking about volunteering with Girl Scouts. So for example, um, a lot of people think that, you know, volunteering with Girl Scouts requires them to be a stay-at-home parent or yeah, stay-at-home parent. Um, If I want to be a leader, I have to be a stay-at-home parent. And we just know that this is simply not true. If you're listening to this podcast and you've been a troop leader, I'm sure you'll realize that this is not true at all. Um, Working parents are just as capable of leading a Girl Scout troop. And I think this is super important in today's age because, you know, there is a lot of juggling and a lot of money management and time management um, and sort of other skills that um, we can bring as working parents to any troop of girls. Um, And so I think that we need to sort of get out of that mindset and then even looking at different models of troops. So for example, some troops have two leaders, right? Um, and they work together simultaneously. They're sort of equals, equal responsibility, and they manage the troop. Some troops have a leader and a co-leader, and the co-leader may have a little bit less responsibility, but they're 100% capable of taking over the troop, running a meeting, that sort of thing. And then sort of one of my favorite models, and it is a little more complex, is the co-op troop. And this is when you have a group of volunteers working together to take the lead on the troop. So um, I had a really great co-op troop, started out great, at one point in my service unit where um, it was maybe four or five parents who all said, we want our girls to be in Girl Scouts, but we don't have the time to lead the troop. And so they sort of, you know, all got trained on the basics. You know, they had their CPR um, certified adult, they had their first aid certified adult. Um, but they would sort of take lead and each month sort of rotate who was leading the meetings. And it worked great for a while. You know, there, there can be complications with that. And, you know, you have to remember that you're doing it for the girls. And every choice and decision you make is, you know, for the girls. But a co-op is great because it takes pressure off of one person. And it really is a team. And I love the the mentality that anybody has the potential to be a great troop leader um, if they have the time and they have the heart for it. Another common myth is that 
The only way to volunteer for Girl Scouts is if you want to be a leader. And this is totally not true, right? There are other troop roles. Um, you know, you have troop treasurers, less of a commitment. You want someone with really good record keeping skills. You have troop fall product manager, a troop cookie manager for those bold and brave souls out there. And then you have troop helpers. So, you know, there's ways to volunteer. And when you're recruiting volunteers, there's always this sort of front of mind thought that if I'm going to volunteer, I have to be a troop leader. But that's not true. There's other ways you can serve your local troop um, in other capacities. Um, you can also serve on the service team. We're always recruiting for our service team. If you have finance skills, you can be an accounting coordinator. If you love event planning and you only have time maybe once once throughout the year, maybe you have, you know, a really slow September and that opens up your schedule and you really want to do something, um, that's a great opportunity to find someone um, just interested in event planning. There are fundraising roles and opportunities and recruiting roles and opportunities. And I just love that when you start thinking about, you know, your coworker who may or may not have children who wants to get more involved in the community, what can they do um, to serve the girls? Maybe they're great at fundraising. Can they help your troop with fundraising? Maybe they're good at recruiting. Maybe they're amazing at recruiting at work. What can they, can they teach your girls something? Can they teach the other adults in your service unit something? So, you know, when you're thinking about Girl Scout volunteers, it's a great, great mentality to go beyond just the troop leader. And you can also volunteer once a year or work with your company or organization to plan an opportunity for girls. So I love this because, you know, we do a lot of partnerships with local organizations or local businesses. And this is a great, you know, once a year opportunity for them to do something, for them to give back to the community by offering a program or coming on a panel. We did, um, during the pandemic, we did our own version of Girl Scout Nailed It. And I reached out to eight members in the community, the local community, women business leaders. And I actually got one, one female business leader from Savannah, but I got these women business leaders to come on this Zoom call with over a hundred girls and serve as judges for their Nailed It event program. And this was a way they could connect, they could give back. It was all of maybe two hours of their time, but it was a great way for them to, you know, find some purpose, find some, some activity during the, the pandemic and to, to give back to the girls. And it was um, something that you may not think of in a traditional volunteer sense, but it definitely counts as volunteering. Sarah, do you have any examples of some unique volunteering opportunities? Um, I think that this is an incredible list. I think you're nailing <laughs> this. I, uh, I mean, obviously I, would consider myself a non-traditional volunteer from the standpoint yeah. of I, I did not have kids. Um, the reason why I even thought of volunteering is because I had worked there. And the reason I thought of working there is because I was an alum. And the way that I recruited my my fellow non-parent, non-traditional volunteers, <laughs> um, I reached out to I, I sort of made it available. That sounds really lame, but that's yeah. the truth. I made it available. Yeah. Like, are you saying, yeah, yeah, that sounds lame. Thanks, Jamil. Thanks. No, um, no, I'm just kidding. No. So I, in my office, when I worked in an, an office with other people instead of in my home, 
I had these two huge bulletin boards that I hung up that were covered with pictures from my Girl Scout troop. And I would just update them every couple months. And it was a great conversation starter with my coworkers. This is something that I do. And most of my coworkers knew I didn't have young kids, right? I didn't have a daughter. And so um, it was a great way to talk about these are, this is how I spend my time. I also talked about it a lot when we would talk about like, what'd you do this weekend? Blah, blah, blah. I would always have Girl Scout stuff to share. Cause of course we do a lot of stuff on weekends. And, um, it was also really good for selling cookies by the way. So during cookie season that all always, I would have a, a, a short stack of, um, of each of the flavors that were available and just sort of like, let people know that, that. this is available. Um, yeah. and it was amazing how people would come to me. I also would post about it on my own social media, I would share stories, right? Like here's a story of something that happened. We went on this hike. We took a wrong, a wrong trail. It ended up being way harder than we intended it for it to be. In fact, the kids were fine. It was the hardest hike I've ever done in my life. And I really struggled, but I didn't want the kids to see me quit. I didn't want to be the troop leader that quit. I didn't want that to be a memory that stayed with them. And so I stuck with it and I powered through. And um, so I did the hardest hike I've ever done in my life. If I had been with my family and friends, I would never have finished it. Never. There's no right. way. The only reason is because I wanted to be a good role model. So I stuck <laughs> it out and I finished it and I was kind of miserable, but also the girls had a blast and they never saw that I hated it. Right. They never saw that. They never saw that. I wanted to quit. They never saw, they saw that we finished it, even though it was hard. And, um, I shared stories like that on my social media. This is something that happened to me. And of course, on my own social media, I was not sharing pictures of other people's kids ever without their permission. I, I just right. generally believe you shouldn't do that. Everybody has different opinions about what they are and aren't comfortable with. So unless you have explicit permission, I would never do that. And of course, I don't have my own kid in the troop. So normally it was me sharing stories or like, here's this crazy thing that happened. Here's this funny thing that happened. Here's quotes from tonight's troop meeting. And again, the people on my social media they knew me in real life. They know me in real life and they knew I didn't have a daughter. So it was a way to open up the conversation with people. And I would always make it available to like, we are definitely looking for troop leaders. If you, if this sounds like the way you want to spend your time, let's chat about it. Right. <laughs> I would post research on there on my social media periodically, just like reminding people, this is why I do what I do. And it's fun. Um, and I actually had people come to me then and say they were willing. Sometimes I had to make hard asks, right? Like I would flat out be like, who's available. This is what the commitment looks like. This is the type of stuff we do. Who's available. And it was amazing how many people are looking for something right. in their life. And yes, I think that your points about like the types of people who might be drawn to it. So like I was mm -hmm. in a service, a community service oriented sorority. So all of my sorority sisters, both the, the ones that I went to school with, but also the community that I'm still connected to of anybody who's been in that sorority since in my local area. That's like an easy outlet for me. Um, also people who work with kids, people who's, who want kids, but don't have them or people whose kids are grown. This was another one for us. We had, um, one of my like closest friends who she actually, I would say I really liked her, but she wasn't one of my closest friends before she started volunteering with our troop. Then she became one of my closest friends because we spent all that time together, mm -hmm. but, um, her daughter's grown, her daughter's in her early twenties. And so she was like, I miss, I miss her being little. I miss, I, you, I'm a former teacher, kind of like you. I'm a former teacher. I miss the kids. I miss my girl being young. I want yeah. to be with girls again. And so she started volunteering with me and, and getting to be teachery, but 
but different, right? There's a lot of people leaving the teaching profession right now. And so if you're listening to this and you're a teacher and this is you, I'm sorry, I don't mean to push into a pain point, but if you're listening to this and you know teachers, every single teacher that I personally know has at least entertained the idea of leaving. Many of them have left and many of them are actively currently leaving. Well, former teachers are the perfect people to ask because they are so invested in the welfare and the well-being and the development of kids. That's the, the honest truth. They, they didn't go into that because they hate kids, right? They went into education because they wanted to impact the next generation of kids. And if they have left or if they are struggling with teaching, then it is a primed like demographic of, of people who might be interested in in spending time with kids in this way, in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. It is also a lot of more unpaid work, which is what teaching right. is. So, I mean, I get that too. Maybe like, you know, gauge, do a pulse check, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I would say that's like a really important demographic of people who really understand a lot of the research already with child development and, yeah. um, and what's going on with today's youth. And also they really want to give back to today's youth. So that's like a great demographic. Um, but yeah, that's my experience. And it's interesting too, cause you were talking about um, the other ways that you can volunteer. And I have been thinking about that. What if maybe instead of a, another troop right now, what if I get certified in all the things, right? Like I could go yeah. get certified as all of the all the things that I like, all the things I want to do. I could do archery. I could do canoeing. Yep. I could do lifeguarding. I could do all of those. And then when other troops need those certified volunteers, I can just go with their troop on their adventures. And I don't need to be the troop leader. Everybody is always looking for instructors. So, that's, um, that's so, so I've, true. I've actually been entertaining that idea of like, I wouldn't mind. I, I run my own business. I'm available. You know what I mean? I can mm-hmm. like make my schedule, whatever. So We'll see. Yeah. So anyways, that's, those are, that's my, I was going to say two cents. Let's be honest. It's more like a dollar 20. Always, always <laughs> with me. You never get two cents from me. You get a dollar 20. Sorry. We're good with the dollar 20. Um, no, I think that's a great idea. I had a friend who went and did that. She got certified in canoeing and um, working the pottery wheel at camp and, you know, all those other, you know, fun archery activities. So that's another great idea. There's also serving on council committees, right? So they always need people to work on the higher wards committee. Some councils have those where you assist with the applications of girls who are seeking their bronze, silver, and gold. There's global action committee and traveling committee where you're helping assist with planning global experiences for girls, adult awards, and so many others. And, you know, there's also, you know, most councils have, I think all councils do, board of directors or board development committee. That's another way, you know, especially if you have people who want to give back, but also maybe want to build their resume um, or make connections in the community. Those are really great opportunities. But like I said before, at the end of the day, the most important thing is that you believe in the mission of Girl Scouts. And so I will say in closing, you know, the spring as you wrap up your year and you start thinking about, you know, next year and maybe making the load a little bit easier on yourself and, you know, you're interacting with different friends and coworkers and family members, um, start thinking about who do you know that would make a great volunteer? Do you think they believe in the mission of Girl Scouts? Based on their commitment level, their capacity, their skills, how could they serve your girls? 
And lastly, what can Girl Scouts do for them? I love this. I am going to make some graphics for you to share too. If you have a social media platform that you can share on your own platforms that have some of these statistics to, um, to share with your networks, because that has really worked for me. That's been something that how I've connected with other people. So yeah. So if you're looking for talking points, storytelling, but also share the research and uh, talk about the mission and all of that. So I'm going to put some of those together right now. I'm committing, I'm committing to it. Jamila can hold me to it. And we're going to share it in the Facebook group when this episode goes live so that you can download them, save them, copy and paste them, whatever you want to do. And you can share them on your own social media in order to recruit people in your area. So yes. We love Girl Scouts. We love you. We appreciate you so much. I hope that you've had a good volunteer appreciation month, even though I've been MIA. I still appreciate you. I hope you know that. Also, I hope that you feel that it's had a positive impact on your life, just like the research research shows and just like Jamil and I have been talking about today. But that's all I've got. Any final words on your end? <laughs> no, just get out there and start that recruitment. Our girls need us. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. Um, All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right.